This weekend, I want to speak on a subject. The title of my message is not original. I heard Tommy Barnett say this phrase um, a couple decades ago. I was in a pastor's conference, and the phrase caught my heart. He was speaking to pastors, and he told us, pastors, there's a miracle in the house. That resonated with me. And I want to use that sentence, that phrase, and tell you, there's a miracle in your house. There's a miracle in your house. Now, for all the Dallas Cowboy fans, <laughs> there are no NFL team miracles, okay? I, I, I would like to, <laughs> I'd like to say there are, but... But, but there are not, I'm sorry. By the way, if you have a cowboy jersey, there's a recall, there are choking hazards. You can return it. Yeah. Oh, cheer up. Why don't you go out and have a cowboy, Dallas Cowboy pastry today? They're called a turnover. Go get you one of them. Okay, just go get your pastry and be, be, be encouraged. You want me to go on? Yeah, they have the same thing. And the, the Dallas Cowboys and Chick-fil-A have one thing in common. They don't work on Sunday. I mean, come on. I just keep going on here. <laughs> Let's get back to my message, okay? Let me get back to my message. <laughs> Miracles. I'm, I'm letting the moment transition for me, Okay. A miracle. When, do you, when are you in a miracle moment that God's preparing you for a miracle? It's when what you're going through is impossible. You've heard the word malignant. You've heard the word incurable. It feels hopeless to you. It seems unattainable. In those moments, God brings his miracle grace. There's a miracle in your house. A few years ago, there was a businessman in the church, and he was on the cusp of losing his business. In fact, I prayed with him, and it was impossible. On a certain date this particular week, he was to lose everything, and he didn't know what he was going to do. The day before he lost everything, he was contacted, and that day someone bought his business out with a five-figure income. And I still see the smile on his heart, and he said, Pastor, it was absolutely down to the wire and everything fell through, and in the last moment, God worked a miracle and pulled it out. There's a miracle in your house. A family in the church asked us to pray for their mother. The doctors gave a diagnosis of malignancy. An ensuing surgery was to go in and remove, if they could, the malignancy. The surgery took place after the surgery was over. The surgeon came out and talked to the family and said there was no tumor in her body. 
And the only way he could explain it is when they went in initially and got the tissue for the biopsy, they must have retrieved all of the cancer at that particular time when they removed that tissue. I want you to know there's a miracle in your house. Several years ago, it was on a Sunday. I was going to get up and come to church like any other Sunday, but this Sunday, a crisis arrested our home. Through the night, my wife Denise had been sick and determined that she would stay home. I I would take the kids with me, get them ready and take them with me to, to church perhaps, but leave her home in bed. I got up early in the morning dressed and I was helping Denise and all of a sudden she fainted and fell on the floor. And then I realized it was more serious than just a just a cold and some just not feeling well. The girls were up. They were little girls at that particular time, our daughters, and they were crying. I didn't know what to do. I was, I was frantic. I didn't even have the sense to call 911 at the time. I out, went outside. A man was jogging down the street. I flagged him in. He helped me pick Denise up, loaded her in the car, and I raised her to the emergency room, called somebody. They came by and picked up the girls to take care of them. They took Denise into the ER room, and I heard them say her blood pressure is falling. They brought a crash cart in the room, and at that time, I knew it was serious. They would work on her, finally stabilize her. The doctor came to me and told her her blood count is so low, we need to give her four units of blood right now. She is so deficient in blood. She has to have a a blood transfusion right now. He asked us, has she been bleeding? Had she been hemorrhaging? How could she lose so much blood? How could her blood count be so low? We were surprised. We didn't know anything about this. We were caught off guard. She was in the hospital for several days. At the end of the week, they dismissed her. Her blood count had stabilized. They had Earlier in the t- first test they ran when she went in the hospital, they found that, sh- there, that there was, she was passing blood. By the end of the week, she was not passing blood. And the specialist came to me, and here's what he said. In order for her to lose that much ble- blood, she had to have a bleeding ulcer. I thought, there's nobody can live with me and have an ulcer. That just can't, that doesn't even... <laughs> That don't even seem possible. (laughs) That don't even seem feasible. But here's what the surgeon said. It had to correct itself because we can't find it and she's not losing blood anymore. And she's never had an issue with that to this day. What I want you to know, there's a miracle in your house. God steps in and God works and the unexplainable does the impossible up and above what you could ask or think. And with that in mind, I'm going to invite you to go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. Perhaps many of us are not familiar with the setting. We're in the ministry life of the prophet Elisha. Elisha was a protege of Elijah. Don't mix them up. Elijah and Elisha. We're in the ministry of Elisha the prophet. Elisha the prophet in in 2 Kings chapter 4 is called to minister 
to a widow, which that brings me to my text in verse number one. If you allow me as I read, I'm going to reflect a few things in Scripture. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. Even when you love God, sometimes things come your way. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. That was the law of the land at that time. They wouldn't put a lien on property. The law of the land was if you died and you owed, the debt was not abolished. It passed on to your family. It passed on to your children. And she said that they're going to come and seize my sons. Can you imagine having lost your husband and now they're going to take your boys and your boys are going to be in servitude? Verse number two, Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? I want you to know there's a miracle in your house. What do you have in your house? Let's go on, verse number, four, verse number two. Your servant, she said, has nothing there at all. What do you have in your house? I don't have anything. Some of you are saying, I, I don't have one person I can call on. I've tried everything. I'm down to nothing financially. I'm underwater. I don't know where to go. I've said everything I can say to reconcile. I've done everything I can do. There's nothing left to do. I have nothing. I am, I am down to nothing. When you're down to nothing, God's up to something. She said, all I have. She said, there's nothing there at all except a, a small jar of olive oil. Small jar of olive oil? Olive oil was what was used to cook with. Many of us do that today. Olive oil was light for the lamps in order to bring light in your home at nighttime for our lantern. Olive oil was a salve that they would put, it had medicinal value. If you had a scratch or something in order to keep the flies from landing on it on yourself or an animal and, and, and getting it infected, they would put olive oil on it. it. It was used in many different aspects there in the Old Testament time. And all she had was a small jar of olive oil. Verse 3. Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Do not ask for a few. I'm going to suggest that many of us are asking is too small. You're asking God for a little bit. Your petition to the Lord has just, God, get me through the end of the month. And God wants to get you through to the end of the age. Can I tell you? God has a bigger picture in your life than what you have. Don't ask for a few, verse 4. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars. From the jar you have, pour oil into the empty jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Then all the jars were full. She said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then 
the oil stopped. Until there was enough and more. The miracle of that, of that olive oil just kept multiplying from jar to jar. Verse number seven. She went and told the man of God, and he says, Now go and sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what was left. You see, God not only took care of her, the immediate need, there was enough left over that they could live on. This is a picture and a moment of a miracle in which God steps into a crisis in life and somebody said, I have nothing. There's nothing I can do. I'm, I'm down and I, 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 there's nothing I can do right now. I don't have any advice. I don't, can't call anyone. I can't write a check. I, I, I can't cover the need. I, I can't handle this. And God steps in. And when they have nothing, God does above what they could ask or think. And I want to share with you for just a little bit, I think something that will encourage all of us and invite us. And at the end of my message today, I'm going to call the prayer team forward, whether you're in the balcony or main floor. And if you're saying of yourself right now, I'm down to nothing. There's no one I can call. There's nothing I can do. There's, there, there, there's no alternative. I have no idea what to do. It seems incurable. It seems that it can't be fixed if that's you. I'm going to invite you to come forward and we're going to pray with you. And the worship team is going to minister and we're going to believe that God will bring a miracle in your life. With that in mind, I want to share this point with you. Go big with God. Go big with God. <laughs> Go big with God. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 3, it says, Go around and ask your neighbors, but don't ask them for a few jars. When it comes to what God can do, go big with God. If you'll enlarge your, your output, God will enlarge your input. The reason some of us are struggling today is the jar we asked God to fill last year is too small. It only got you through last year. And you didn't bring a jar in for this year. You didn't say, God, I need you to do this. You prayed, Lord, just see me to the end of the year. God, get me through this. And God honored and God got you through that. But I want you to know God has something bigger for you. Go big with God. A few years ago, we were building the student center. We have a beautiful student center. Our middle school and high school students are there right now in service, worshiping, participating. God's ministering to their hearts. Before we built that, we were going into remodeling some 13,000 square feet of our building and repurpose it completely for a brand new student center. Every time we've gone into a building program, I prayed and asked God, what should I give into the building program? Denise and I tithe. We've tithed all of our married life. Honor God. On top of the tithe, we've given, we've given offerings. 
And every building program that we've ever had, we've given into it. We have been the first one to give into every building program. And I prayed and asked God, what should I give? I've always discovered God's number is bigger than my number. <laughs> have you ever heard God talk to you about doing something and you've talked God down and you're like, no, I can't give that, Lord. It's not, you know, I'm going to buy that brand new uh, uh, iPhone that's coming out in June and I need to save up for it. And I, I'm wanting to buy a new car and I'm wanting to do this. God talks to you about asking somebody to forgive you and you tell God and remind them of all the things they did wrong. And if they'll come and apologize to you first, then you'll apologize to them. You know how it is? God deals with you something and you bargain with God. You rationalize and you bring it down and you just do it on your level. Every one of us does it self-included. We were in beginning this building program and I felt like the Lord said, you need to write the biggest check you've ever written in your life for this building program. God laid a number on my heart. I went and talked to Denise, my wife. I said, we're going into this building program. And the Lord has laid on my heart, on my heart above our tie this year, we're to write a $50,000 check for that building program. She said, where are you going to get that from? I said, I have no idea. We don't have the money. And I saw in Denise's eyes, she started asking, I wonder what that life insurance policy on you is. Maybe she was going to help God out a little bit here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. God, how are you going to do it? I finally told Denise the only way we can do it. I didn't hear in my spirit, give it over three years. I heard in my spirit, give it one time. And that's what I heard. It doesn't make sense. I said, the only way we can do it, Denise, is we need to go down to the bank and we need to borrow money against our house and we will give it. That's exactly what we did. We went down and borrowed against our house. We made an 800 and something dollar extra payment for some five or five years after that. Oh, I'd like to tell you, some of those uh, evangelists on TV will tell you, you'll get a check in the mail the next day. They'll strike oil in your backyard. All of a sudden, you'll rummage through something. An uncle you didn't even know you were related to will tell you that you're in the wheel. Did any of that happen to you? No, none of that happened to me. Yeah. We just made the payment on it, okay? I'm talking about going big with God. Did God pay you back? How did, what, what happened? We just made the pain. We knew in our heart what God told us to do and it was a go in big with God moment. And I look back now and I have just done the calculation that I wasn't thinking back then. That was, that was about four years ago today. Today, I have a grandson that's 13 years old. He's in that youth ministry room right now. He was in kids' ministry, and he went into youth ministry. And for the last year, he's been telling me, Papa, I feel like I have a call of God on my life. I feel like the Lord is calling me into ministry. It was in that room. It was in that student center. He got his call, and I say, God, you paid me back more than I could ever deserve. Go big with God. Go big with God. And unleash the greatest miracle in your life. 
go big with God. Several years ago, we were expanding our sports ministry. We had a ball field, but we didn't have it really any, we didn't have concession restaurants. We didn't have any other property. And I was trying to negotiate on an acre of property down there, an acre of property, just what would I could get an acre? And they priced one acre of property to me at $1.1 million. And I said, oh, my goodness, one acre of property down there, $1.1 million. I just, just, I don't think that's going to have to do it. And we had a man in the church, and his name was Don Forrest. He's a great servant of the Lord. He's moved uh, to Maryland. And uh, we were out on the parking lot one day, and Don had tears in his eyes. And we were looking over that and planning, well, what could we do down there? He said to me, Pastor, I believe God's going to give it all to us. I just believe some way God's going to make a way for that to happen. And I want you to know through a series of events, I've told you the story before, uh, we were able to secure not one acre. We were able to buy ten and a half acres down there. Now we have a sports field. Now we, we have that beautiful complex down there as an outreach into our community and a wonderful fellowship tool here. There was just a moment and you're saying, God, I don't need it. And God, and you're downsizing in your mind and God is trying to upsize. I'm just here to tell you, you need to go in big with God and see what God could do. Go for it. Somebody told you you can't, you can't finish your degree. Somebody told you, you you don't have the time, the money to get your master's degree. Somebody told you you couldn't do it. I'm here to invite you to go in big with God. Go in big with God. This lady, she, the prophet said, you get all the vessels you can get and God will match you every empty vessel you get. God will fill it. I'm here to tell you, God will fill every time you step out. If you will do right by God, the company you're working for now, you'll own it in five years. Go big with God. Go all the way. See what God can do. See what God can do. I want to take a word from your vocabulary and change it. It's the word confidence. I want you to spell it. I want you to kind of see it in your mind. Put the screen in your mind up right now. Confidence. And take out the letters C-O-N and put in God, G-O-D. You need to have God-fidence. <laughs> yeah. Are you confident about it? No, but I have Godfidence. I have Godfidence about it. I believe God will make a way. I believe God can come through. I believe God can make the turnaround for me. Well, I have more preaching. I had three points today. I told the team I was going to cut it down to two. Team, I'll just cut it down to one. How's that? Just stay with me. Just stay with me. A couple Saturday nights ago, after service, my grandson, 13, he said, Papa, can I go with you? All the time. Let me ask your mom. You don't need to ask her. I'm her boss. 
You want it? It's yours, buddy. He said, Papa, let's go to Chipotle and get something to eat. I said, sure. He said, let me have your phone. I'll make it easier. He downloaded Chipotle on my phone. They have an app. I don't do all that. I don't, you know, uh, that stuff and all the, you know, the talk tick and all those things that they have on there. I, I don't have them on my phone. I, just, I don't do it, you know. He downloaded it. He puts it in. He orders. What are you going to get? I'm going to get what I had last week. Okay, just get it again. So he ordered it. We pull up to Chipotle. He says, Papa, I need $30. You need what? <laughs> it was about $13 last week. Did you order for your sister? No. Did you order for your grandmother? No. Did you, would you order for me? Well, how come it's $30 this week, almost $28, almost $30 this week, and it was $13 last week. Here's what he told me. You know what? I just ordered twice as much in case I want it. I said, okay. How about, how about just ordering twice as much just in case? I don't know what this year is going to face, but I tell you, there's no limitation on his healing and his grace. And I'm going to invite you to get all in more. Here's what the prophet said. You keep pouring. And now you sell it. You pay off the debt. And you live on all the leftovers. God's in the leftover business. Can I tell you? God has, God's in the leftover business. There's more healing in the hem of his garment than all of the medical fields and all the, all the hospitals in San Antonio. 